Let me tell you something, man. These these Dolphins, these Miami Dolphins, they're they're cooking. They're cooking up something special down there in South Beach. I got to get close to the camera for this. They're cooking up something reminiscent of our ancestors in the kitchen with the spices and the herbs fresh picked right out of the garden. Shit that make you mwah, mwah, mwah. triple triple kiss the chef. What they're doing in Miami is some of the most beautiful, poetic shit we've ever seen on a football field. Tua, MVP frontrunner, Mike McDaniel, coach of the year frontrunner, Raheem Mostert, I don't even know, probably the running back one in fantasy right now. Tyree Kill, gotta be wide receiver two or three in fantasy right now. They put up a 70-burger without Jalen Waddell. Devon A-Chain just looks like a 10-year younger version of Raheem Mostert, which is what we've been saying since rookie season. Everything they're doing in Miami, I want to fucking move there. I want to move to, they make me want to move to Miami. You know how many times I listened to Miami by Will Smith this morning? Once, but I could have listened a few more times. Just what a just what a system they got going on down there. Everything they did, it felt like you were playing NCAA or Madden on on rookie mode. Like where the separate you run a cross route, the separation ends up being six yards if you got a guy with Tyree Kill when you're playing on rookie mode. If you want to send a guy deep, Robbie Anderson could be a 68 in that game, but if his speed is a 96, he's separating deep like yesterday. Mike White could get it. Chris Brooks could get it. Raheem Moser can get it. Devon A. Chain can get it. You know how fucking bad you got to be? River Craycraft and Durham Smythe, I'm looking at you to not have gotten it yesterday. It's not great. I'll tell you what, though, man. Denver, some straight booty. Denver, straight, straight booty. Miami, I don't Miami plays Buffalo this week. That's going to be... That's going to be an all-time game. Because Buffalo, I don't even know why I dipped off, but I, I was really high on Buffalo's defense coming into the year, right? And we're going to go, this video, we're going to go game by game. We're going to go through every game, all the box scores, everything I saw, the takeaways, snap counts, injuries, waiver wire sheets, all of that good stuff. We're going to hit it. Don't worry. But we got to talk about Miami first, man. We got to talk about... They are playing at a level that feels sustainable. This doesn't feel for the year right now. It's kind of like the one-year sprint. I'm sure coaches will figure it out next year. But do you remember when Sean McVay first came into the Rams play-calling duties and he was running 11 personnel like it was something new? Like we've never seen three wide receivers on a field at the same time before, but they just had this 11 personnel and ran 70 times. Ran the same play seventy times, but different for different uh, different same formation seventy times, different plays, whatever. You'll get what I'm saying. Sorry, I'm struggling today. This this is gonna be a long video. They are just running in a different caliber than other teams. The speed at which their players play on the field is uncoverable. I don't know what kind of witchcraft Mike McDaniel is doing down there, but it's working. They played against the Patriots. I mean, Tua, what do you throw? 400 week one, four touchdowns yesterday, 
had a bad day against the Patriots and threw for like 260. Quarterbacks don't really be thrown for 300 against the Pats, man. It doesn't happen very often. It's not a consistent thing, but two is like, yeah, fucking, let me sprinkle it on right there. A, little, a quick 260 light piece on you. I'm really excited for this Buffalo game. I think they travel to Buffalo. So they're in Buffalo. It's going to be a very difficult environment. You know they're going to be fucking hype. And this defense is very good in Buffalo, man. It's really high on them coming into the year. And then um, and then after week one, for some reason, I kind of like died down on, on the feeling I have for their defense, which makes no sense because they held the Jets. De- I guess the Jets offense had Zach Wilson running it. That's why it makes sense. But they, they, they're what Buffalo did to Washington yesterday. I, I, I get it. Like Sam Howell had a bad game, but they blitzed. I want to say at a rate of 82% and had him under pressure at a rate of like 72%. He never stood a chance. The dude was dead from from the time the whistle blew. From the time the first kick happened, Sam Howell never stood a chance. It was never going to happen. It may never happen, but I'm not we're not deciding a man's career based off that game yesterday. When Buffalo very mel- very well might be like a top 5 defense in the NFL. Maybe even higher than that. We'll see, right? We're coming into week three now where we start to have a real sample size of people. It's really easy to get an idea after week one. It's even easier to get an idea after week two. But after week three, you're starting to put together a trend. Starting to put together a trend. But you could also say, like, listen, you could take any three-week sample size and then just put it into a person's career box score or a season box score at any point and say, like, what did we think about him here? So anything someone did week one to week three here – Someone can do weeks 11 to 14 down here. So it's still early in the season, but we're starting to get trend lines. We're starting to get data. We're starting to get information. It's cooking. And we're about to start cooking. So let us dive into the games. Let us. Whoop. Oh, by the way, our new uh, our new site launched today. So if you ever wanted our rankings or to become a member, uh, we put this together for you. Let me just, how do I minimize myself to the smallest degree? There we go. On bdge.co, bang, bang, boom. We cleaned it up a little bit. We got the big dog membership. Finally looks like a real site out here. Become a member. We've got the weekly rankings. So if you've ever wanted to just know who to sit start, you could do it. Waiver wire rankings come out tomorrow. So we have the full fab suggestions for you. If you ever needed to know how much money to spend on a player, whether or not to use a number one waiver wire priority on a player, you guys ask me, how do I get into the Q&As, the live streams on Saturdays? A lot of you guys be like, ah, I don't see it get notified because you don't have access to it because only big dog members get into the Q&A assault every Saturday where you can ask me your sit start questions. We got private discord, all that kind of good sheesh. Okay, so bdge.co, that bad boy just launched literally about 20 minutes ago so we'll have everything in there for you okay let's get into the game i'm just gonna sit back and relax a little bit because otherwise my doctor said i'd be stressing too much you know that you know what's like when people be say, say that shit like my doctor said this like who the fuck just like goes to a doctor casually like, i don't have a doctor that i just talk to all the time where he just tells me things are going on with me ain't no way no, no one told me I'm stressing too much. I don't go to a fucking doctor. I already know I stress too much. All right. Let's talk about Thursday Night Football. We got the G-Men at San Francisco. This was, uh, I mean, no one's going to tell you that they predicted this because everybody predicted this. 
They got their asses whooped by the 49ers. They were just mismatched from the start. There's no way anything about this uh, this this matchup was even in any capacity. So we had our first Saquon-less game. Matt Breda filled in, if you want to call it that. There's really not a lot of takeaways here. Brock Purdy looked pretty good. Again, stats look better. I think he missed some some throws again where I feel like we need to start kind of stringing them together. But all in all, I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick here. They did say they were going to get Elijah Mitchell more involved, and they did so. He got 11 carries. He's a handcuff to C-Mac for right now, but that's about it. I mean, you know who to start here. You got C-Mac. You got Debo. Ayuk was out. We'll see if he returns. Um, I got weird vibes from the Ayuk injury. I'm not going to lie, but I do think he should probably be back by by next week. You're, you're starting your skill players there in San Fran. That's, that's it. Tennessee, Cleveland. I don't think it's a surprise by now. I think I've heard like every single podcast slash every person ever on the planet Earth say that the Cleveland Browns defense is pacing out to be one of the best defenses we've seen in quite a long time. They are legitimately the best defense in the NFL right now. And I'm not saying, you know, it can't be fluky, like depending on who they played so far. Like Tennessee is a disgusting offense. Um, the Steelers are a disgusting offense. The Bengals... They're not a disgusting offense, but the way they've played thus far, you know, doesn't instill confidence. Regardless, though, I think I, I heard a stat today that the three defensive performances from the Cleveland Browns this year, their EPA of the three defensive performances are the three single best EPA defensive performances of any teams this year in any matchup. So if you look at the top three EPA defensive performances on the year they're all the cleveland browns defenses in weeks one two and three they are so legit and defenses are struggling to get shit going against them uh Tannehill did next to nothing there i mean are you are they I, I don't know what they're gonna do they don't have a mentality like they don't have the personnel with like mike vrabel and a bunch of veterans to like start selling the team for parts but i think they gotta have have to start uh having that discussion because derrick henry is not getting it done anymore you can't have the entire offense run through him if he's going to average fucking 1.8 yards per carry. Ryan Tannehill, again, looked abysmal, uh, and that is just flowing over into the receiving group over here. So right now, I mean, you continue to start Derrick Henry, but he's more likely like an RB2 on most weeks than an RB1 because he keeps putting up like 75 yards or fewer. Sometimes he gets in, but he's not getting in at the same clip that he used to in yesteryears. Uh, Tajay Spears absolutely needs to be owned, though, if you are a Derrick Henry owner because he is the direct handcuff. He's the only other guy getting work. He's getting a shitload of snaps, too. It's not translating. So, like, I'm, I don't think anyone needs to keep wasting their breath on that shit. But he gets a lot of targets, too. He's very involved in the passing game. Again, not productive. But four targets, it's 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 real. It's there. You know, Derrick Henry was never really getting four targets a game. But Tajay Spears seems to be that guy. So, D-Hop, I guess you can continue starting him as, like, a low-end wide receiver three. But we didn't really want any part of him to begin with. Let's flip the script. Over to Cleveland. Now, Deshaun had probably his best game of the year. Uh, 289, two touchdowns, 8.8 yards per attempt. Uh, also racked up 16 through the ground. I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here. Like, statistically, yeah, he, he did well. But, he didn't. again, he didn't look great. Like, he doesn't seem to have the same zip on the ball. Uh, his yards per attempt looked good. But, for, to me, to be honest with you, it kind of just felt like he was dinking and dumping a lot. Like, every pass to Elijah Moore was about five yards down the field. He did connect with DPJ. He did connect with Amari Cooper. So, I don't want to take that away. But Tennessee's pass defense is also fucking absolutely atrocious. Shouldn't be a surprise that Jerome Ford struggled on the ground. He did get in twice, though. So, that's obviously super good to see. He got a touchdown on the ground. He also caught one through the air. He continues to remain the RB1. But we did see Kareem Hunt start to creep in a little bit. Five for 13. 
Paris Strong also went six for twenty, uh, six for twenty-seven. Cream Hunt got three targets, so they did start to divvy up the backfield work a little bit. But as you could see in the box score, like the game started getting away. They were up thirteen-three at half, twenty-to-three at the end of three, twenty-seven-to-three. You know what I mean? Like it started zipping away. So I don't think they want Jerome Ford to be a fifty fucking carry guy. But um, he's clearly the RB1 here. They did split snaps with the other running backs, but I think you could pretty confidently, I mean, especially like uh, a matchup against Tennessee is really, 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 really tough. He's lucky he got into the end zone, but you can continue firing him up for sure as, as a nice little, nice little RB2 action. I will say too, uh, Elijah Moore is like very much bordering on unplayable territory. Like he did kind of get it done in full PPR leagues because he went nine for 49, but this was against the worst passing defense and he literally gets no play downfield. Sure. They like involve him in the run game a little bit, but cool. Three carries for negative one yards. I don't give a fuck about three carries for negative one yards. Yeah. Elijah Moore, like they, he takes no shots downfield. He's not really making plays in the passing game. So he's, he's like very, very dangerously close to being a guy that I really don't want to ever put in my lineup right now. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm just not doing it. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. Like, Taylor Heineke, this it, it feels like one of those situations where I'm gonna I'm gonna start chanting for Der, uh for, for Taylor Heineke and uh and then he's gonna come in and be just as bad as Desmond Ritter. Like I had never I never thought Heineke was good at all. Like watching him play in Washington, sure he got some wins. He's not a good quarterback either. Is he better than Ritter? I feel like he has to be. I just can't imagine that there are many quarterbacks on NFL rosters that are not better than Desmond Ritter. Guy took seven sacks, was just eaten alive in the backfield. This Lions front seven is actually low key fucking good. Their run defense is super good. They stuffed Bijan now. They held Kenneth Walker to like fucking maybe sub three yards per carry there they are they are a very very stout run defense so despite what you thought about them historically they're a team you don't really want to mess with as it uh pertains to running backs they just got absolutely nothing fucking going man they did miss again like Ritter misses Kyle Pitts for a long touchdown pass probably should have had it but that's like how uh, years it's years it's years now we've been saying it it doesn't matter I'm done I'm done Makes me sick. Bijan, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. We play Jacksonville in London this Sunday, and I'm fired up. We're back. We're back. Oh, this game was so deflating. I came in here really thinking we were going to fucking win this game, too. I was like, yeah, we're going to be 3-0. Bijan's going to dice him up like fucking onions for a fajita. Man, was I wrong. Man, is Desmond Ritter so bad. Holy shit, I can't watch this guy play anymore. It makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, Drake London, six targets. Kyle Pitts, nine targets. Kyle Pitts, like, can't really be in your lineup. Kyle Pitts, he just can't be in your lineup, man. Like, he just, you just can't do it. Like, there are so many better, like, you're you're starting Sam Laporta over Kyle Pitts. That's for sure. So, if he's still available on your waiver wire somehow, that's a guy you want. That's a guy I want in my fantasy football lineup. Porter's like in every – this is an insane game. There are four guys who caught a ball in this game. Just four dudes. And Khalif Raymond caught four of them. What the hell? Jared Goff, nice little game, I guess. But they just managed the game, man. They just played better. They just out-trenched us. They just out-hearted us. And they just out-out 
didn't have a Desmond Ritter on their depth chart at us. It's just that's really what it came down to. Uh, Gibbs finally got like the workhorse role, I guess you could say. 17 carries for 80 yards. Really didn't do much until he had one drive where he broke away a couple plays. Otherwise, relatively disappointing, to be honest. Uh, hoping that he would have some explosion plays or get in the end zone or something like that. But still yet to really see that. I mean, he's he's good, obviously. I just Best ball just warped so many people's minds to thinking that he was like worthy of a third-round pick where it's so clear to see with without having Gibbs there, they missed David Montgomery for sure. Short yarded situations, down by the goal line. They they needed David Montgomery, man. There's a reason they brought his ass in. There's a reason Dan Campbell rides his ass. Pause. There's a reason that they do that because he's good at that role. Not everybody's built to be a feature workhorse. And, and don't get me wrong, like average 4.7 yards per carry. Like at the end of the day, he got it done. But there are things that David Montgomery is very clearly better at. And it's annoying because Craig Reynolds doesn't get any play. No other running backs get any sort of targets, right? Zonovan Knight gets some carries. Craig Reynolds gets some carries, obviously, because Jameer Gibbs can't take 25 carries. But after a game of nine targets for Jameer Gibbs in a game that Josh Reynolds was clearly hampered, in a game where they don't have like any of their pass-catching weapons in, he only gets two targets. Kind of disappointing, man. I get it. Like At the end of the year, maybe he finishes as like the RB19 or something like that, but... He's going to need to start stringing together some more explosive plays or some more just scoring plays. Or I, at right now, like outside of a really good 40 time, I don't really see a huge difference between Jameer Gibbs and James Cook. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I'm on Rod did his thing. Thought he was going to be limited with the with the toe injury. Seems like he's fine. Again, Sam Laporta, like you just fire him up as a tight end one at this point. Sam Laporta is just he's doing it all in that offense. Saints-Packers. This is a good game. This is a good game. This is our first, I think, serious injury of the week. Uh, Derek Carr is an AC sprain, so he is week-to-week week right now. Jameis Winston came in. I think people are like the the big sentiment around this is that, oh, like Jameis Winston is not really that big of a drop-off. I would disagree with that. Um, he will get some more weapon weaponry back with Alvin Kamara back next week. But I think Derek, Derek Carr has had this offense up and, and, and humming pretty well. Uh, I think they were a very good team with Derek Carr. And I think he's played pretty well this year. And I think Jameis Winston is still like, it just feels like every time he gets on the football field nowadays over the last couple of years, it's like, oh, he's just rusty. He just feels like a permanently rusty quarterback. I would give anything. I would give that Michael Vick signed football. I would give up uh, that V Friends Series 1 unopened pack right there, V Friends cards. Uh, I would give all of it. I would give up my the, the plaque right here, the YouTube plaque for Jameis Winston to be the Falcons quarterback. I'd give it all, all of that up, all of it in a second. But I also don't think Winston's that good. The bar's not very high when we're talking about Desmond Ritter. So before everybody's like, oh my God, Desmond Ritter's not, Jameis Winston's not a big fall off to Derek Carr, I think you're going to disagree with that once you see a few games out of Winston. Um, they do play, who do they play? They might have they might have a, a nice matchup, so maybe it's not really that big of a deal. They play the Bucks, relatively tough pass D. The Patriots, James Winston's for show fucking throwing a pick six in that one but i mean if you're in a super flex league obviously you're trying to get winston off the um off the waiver wire what are you spending on him i mean listen starting quarterbacks that are not like desmond ritter level don't tend to hit the wire very often so yeah i would i would probably spend somewhere in the 10 to 15 ish percent fab range i think um to get a couple of weeks of production out of him if you're really really desperate if you were relying on like a Desmond Ritter as your QB two, I gotta stop talking about Desmond Ritter. Holy shit! 
I've I've brought his name up a hundred times already in the last thirty seconds. My mind is on Ritter. Anyways, um, yeah, I guess don't don't overspend because I don't think he's going to be that great statistically. And uh, Derek Carr will be back in maybe three weeks, four weeks, or something like that. So don't go crazy on Winston. But again, super flex QBs don't become available that often. Uh, and uh, like I said, the waiver wire rankings will drop tomorrow around noon. And in there, we have our fab budget suggestions, which we will have for Mr. James Winston tomorrow before you actually have to um, make those decisions for yourself. So you can go sign up to become a big dog member at bdge.co. Uh, the rest of the crew, we finally got Kendra Miller to kind of like ha have a little bit of a game. He was the guy that went to nine for 34, relatively disappointing, which I think is kind of fire. Like I kind of love that being a guy that has a decent amount of Alvin Kamara, drafted a ton of him in best ball, have him in dynasty, have him in some redraft leagues. He he comes right back into his role. I feel like everything that happened was best case scenario. Jamal Williams onto the IR, so there goes like your goal line guy. Tony Jones stinks. Kendra Miller came back for one game, didn't really play that well, didn't like necessarily make a point to need a role when Kamara comes back. I'm sure he will. I'm sure there'll be like some sort of split committee ish in a way, but Kamara feels like he's primed to come right back into his prestige uh, role. Now we do have some sample with. Kamara and Jameis Winston together. It's not fantastic from a pass-catching standpoint, but it's not terrible. I was excited for Carr to be the QB there. I think Carr was a dude who would be able to check down and utilize Alvin Kamara in the passing game pretty well, like he did with Josh Jacobs last year. So we'll have to see what that chemistry looks like. Uh, Alave keeps eating. Michael Thomas is there too. Disappointing game from Rashid Shahid. Only got two targets. Did return a punt for a touchdown, which is pretty cool. He's just an exciting playmaker, man. He's going to have his days, and there are going to be days when he doesn't have his days. You know, You know what I mean? Uh, Juwan Johnson's been a meteoric bust here, so you could definitely drop his ass. Uh, let's see, Green Bay. Jordan Love, man, I, I continue to be such a believer in Jordan Love. And that doesn't always look pretty, but again, like if you objectively looked at the weaponry that he's working with, if you put those weapons on like any other team, you would be like, ah, this is really a bottom seven group of weapons here. And I don't mean like talent-wise, but when you start to consider, when you start to factor in talent, with like the level of experience, like Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, are talented dudes and will be playmakers in this offense for a long time, but they're also rookies in their third game. So when you start to look at it from both lenses, the supporting cast overall, not a very high level supporting cast. And what Jordan Love is able to do and come back and win this game is impressive to me. I really, really think that when Watson and Aaron Jones come back at full strength, they play on Thursday Night Football this Thursday it's Packers, it's Lions. That should be an awesome fucking game. I do expect both of them to be back. They've both been practicing in limited fashion. I think they held them out one more uh, one more week, got lucky, because they wanted to make sure they were ready to rip for their divisional opponent. So I'm fired up for that. Um, I would put both of them right back into my lineup as soon as they are active. I'm not. This is not wait and see mode. This is go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. Week four. There's no time to fuck around anymore. Get your players in your lineups and dominate. And Jordan Love is going to be one of those guys who's who rises, he rises with the tide, you know. And those weapons, they improve, he'll improve. Uh, AJ Dillon just stinks. That guy's so ill. He stinks. You know what's great? Like during the sit start Q and A's I did over the weekend, I didn't get a lot of AJ Dillon questions. I did not get a lot of AJ Dillon questions, and I think it was because you guys realized that he just stinks. You guys were like, oh, there's no chance he's going into my lineup. I'm not even going to ask a question about it. So I appreciated that. You guys are smart. Dobbs had a big game. Jaden Reed continues to eat. He did have a bad drop, which 
limited him. He, he has some he has some boneheaded plays sometimes, some boneheaded drops, but he's a very young, promising rookie. Once Christian Watson's back, he's probably back to slot duties. Uh, Musgrave, again, like PPR, like these kind of numbers from a tight end, 6 or 49, you will take that any goddamn day. Any goddamn day of the week. All right? I still like Dobbs a lot. I still I, I, I think when Christian Watson is back, uh, Dobbs will continue to be the wide receiver two there and probably even perform better not having the other team's wide receiver one on the outside covering him. So I, I think Dobbs is a sneaky, sneaky, like really good player to keep on your team and, and probably someone who's going to be startable a few times over the rest of the year. Broncos, Miami. Uh, we spent the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of this video talking about Miami. Let's go through Bronco Broncos country real quick. Let's fucking ride. Let's ride right through it. Everything about this offense is disgusting. It was a lot of garbage time. It was a lot of, we don't know what we're doing. We're just going to chuck the ball deep. Russ looks fine. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's his fault or not. Just nothing is working here. You know, I, I think they're probably are trying this experiment. And then if this doesn't work, they clean house one way or the other, whether it's get rid of, they're not going to get rid of Sean Payton probably, but they're probably ready to move on from Russell Wilson after this year. If they continue down this path or just fucking trade Russ to the Jets, just trade Russ to the Jets and just see what happens. Just see what happens. You know what I mean? Uh, Javante continues to look extremely mid, like to a level of mid that, um, who else is mid? That Samaja P. Ryan's like, fam, come sit next to me on the bench, brother. We're one and the same. We're the same person. Samaja and Javante, yeah, they, uh, Javante just looks, he, he's just not the guy that we wanted as a rookie. I think part of it is we're still hung up on like a couple of the huge games that he had on primetime TV. And part of it still, he's coming back from the ACL. So this was, he was always on our fade list because he came back so, so fucking early. Has had very, very little explosion. Um, Marvin Mims continues to make big plays, but continues to run like 23% of the routes. So until we really see that change, it's hard to have real excitement behind him. He's definitely a waiver wire target this week because eventually you're going to see that. And Sean Payton's going to start playing him more, right? Like, he was Sean Payton's guy. He was the guy he traded up for. He was the first guy they picked this year. He loves Marvin Mims. Get him in the fucking lineup. Um, on the flip side, let's let's talk seriously about Miami as it relates to fantasy football, though. I think the biggest, you know, the biggest, uh, actually, really the only two things to talk about in this sense are Devon A. Chain and Raheem Mostert. So, Devon A. Chain, 18 for 203, two touchdowns on the ground. Also added four catches, 30 yards, and two touchdown catches through the air. Raheem Mostert, also four touchdowns, three on the ground, one through the air. The single highest duo in terms of fantasy points from a running back uh, group ever, ever, of all time. Not surprising. Eight touchdowns. They both had fucking a, a billion yards. So this is Devon A-Chain's first real crack at getting playtime. And... On you know on the surface, obviously, if you're looking at the box score, you can you can just rightfully assume that a lot of that came in the second half. A lot of that production came you know when the game was well out of hand. That doesn't mean that he was not a part of their game plan in the beginning. Devon A. Chain was being used early. It was it was for the most part he mostert, but Devon A. Chain was getting used in the first quarter, getting used in the second quarter, getting used immediately in the red zone. And I think that's what we can expect. I don't care what his stats were. I don't care like when they came. I think we're very 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 likely to see a committee where Raheem Mostert leads it. But I don't think McDaniel's going to give a fuck who's on the field in the red zone. If this play happens to be drawn up for him, then cool. Devon A. Chain will score that time. Will Raheem Mostert score this time? Maybe. 
uh, when Jeff Wilson's back, maybe things get more complicated or maybe they're just like, we don't fucking need you, Jeff. We don't need you, Hefe. Thank you. Thank you for your service. But regardless, um, they both look awesome. Devon A. Chain is for sure the number one waiver wire pickup this week. No doubt about it. But I still feel great about Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert is still the starter. Mike McDaniel feels extremely comfortable with him, getting a ton of touches. Sure, if you want to, again, just keep harping on his injury status or his injury history, go do that. Um, but you're going to probably keep losing your league if you're fading Miami players. Everyone faded Tua because of his health. Everyone faded Raheem Mostert because of his health. Fucking love both those dudes, man. So, um, the way I'm looking at these guys, like Raheem Mostert, I think, just needs to be considered an RB1 going forward. You know, as long as he goes into a game healthy, there's no reason he shouldn't be ranked as a top 12 back, especially with the way that, you know, let, let's uh, let's look at some of the, the rankings up to this point. Let's just take a good old look. Running backs right now, overall rankings through... Three weeks. Okay, Raheem Osert, unsurprisingly, is the RB1. Yeah, so, I mean, listen. We don't need to rank him as a top three guy, but, like, he's 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 easily a top ten fantasy running back every single week, as long as he goes into the week healthy. You could probably argue, I mean, you got Devon, <laughs> basically played one game. He's the RB4 right now. Uh, Brian Robinson's been relatively consistent. He's the RB6. Like, we're not getting... Any sort of, like Jerome Ford, one game as the real starter here, he's already the RB10. We're not getting a ton of like amazing play out of running backs right now uh, consistently. So Raheem Mostert seems to be one of the few like very consistent pieces of his own offense and an offense that's scoring a shitload of points. He's making big plays. He's, uh, I mean, he's old, but he's getting it done, right? Like uh, he's 31. And I thought, I think I brought this stat up last week. He had a carry in last week's game. That was his second fastest mile per hour charted carry of his career. 31. He's as fast as he's ever been. So do I think it's still his backfield completely? No, absolutely not. Devon A. Chain is 100% going to be a part of their game plan going forward. I think we'll probably get less consistent upside out of Mostert, but I think Mostert's an RB1. And Devon A. Chain, coming off of yesterday's game, I just don't see how you don't get him into your lineup at this point, right? Like, not a must start necessarily, but... If I did rest of season rankings, which will also be coming to our membership site soon, bge.co, if I did re uh, rest of season rankings, I, I can't imagine having, you know, uh, Devon A. Chain. Like, I'll, I'll look at some of the guys that are ranked top 25 right now. We look at Algier. Like, I'll just go down the list. Give me A. Chain over Algier. Uh, Miles Sanders, I, I'd probably. That, that's a tough decision, but I'd probably take Sanders there. Uh, Devon A. Chain over Madison for sure. Devon A. Chain over Pacheco. Yeah, probably. Uh, Swift. Let me get that third game sample size before I make that decision tonight on Monday Night Football. Aaron Jones. Nah, I wouldn't do that. Roshan in a heartbeat. But like those are the guys that are ranked like top 20, top 24, and I would take Devon A. Chain going forward. There, uh, there will be games where Devon A. Chain goes like 8 for 32. Doesn't score a touchdown and gives you an absolute fucking dud. But I also think there are probably huge games still left on the table for a dude like Devon A. Chain. He did that in his one game where, you know, he got run. He's going to be a fucking beast. He's going to be awesome. And he's not just this slight, sleight of hand fast back. This was a dude. I mean, you can go search our channel. Go type in Devon A. Chain on our channel. We were making, I made a full like 15 minute breakdown on just Devon A. Chain. The thumbnail was actually fucking fire. Devon A. Chain just running in an open field. There was like three lines of cocaine going down the thumbnail. And it just says speed. In white behind him. 
but the whole breakdown it was fire fire fucking video i'll link that in the description um after i get off the live stream the whole breakdown was me being like don't get fooled by his size and speed this dude has great vision has great burst can run between the tackles like devon a chain is a legit nfl runner does that mean mike mcdaniel will ever want to give him 20 carries who knows? But then again, like this was another thing I talked about with Raheem Mostert and why I like the Miami backfield in the be uh, to begin with. And one of the one of the reasons I have so much exposure to them in best ball leagues, it's like with Mike McDaniel and coming from like the Shanahan tree, they don't really care who's in at running back as it relates to size. They will just if they're like this is the best guy, we will give him as many opportunities as possible, and we want him getting as many touches as possible. If he breaks, he breaks. You know what this kind of reminds me of, actually? You know what this kind of, I don't doesn't remind me of, but like now that I'm thinking through it, it's almost as if the way that they operate as head coaches, McDaniel in particular, it's almost as if he would put his best, you know how like in baseball, you know how in baseball, like MLB, most of the time teams put their best hitter third for the most part. Like maybe sometimes they put their speediest guy first, best, you know, average guy second or whatever. It's almost as if like they took their best guy and instead of putting him second or third or fourth, they put him first strictly off the reason that, hey, I want our best hitter to have the most possible at-bats. Don't care about who's behind him. Don't care about who. I understand there's more strategy that goes into him. Like you want him to protect this guy that's in front of him, all that kind of shit. But that's the kind of ball that they play where it's like, I want my best player in the game getting as many opportunities as possible. This game's dangerous. Anyone can get hurt at any given play. Any running back, 230 pounds, 240 pounds, can roll an ankle. I don't care. I want HN and I want Mostert to get as many rips as possible. That's what Mike McDaniel's doing out here. He's playing at a different tier. He's playing at a different level. His brain is huge. Um Yeah. You want to talk about a couple you want to talk about a coach whose brain is not huge and is playing at a backwards level. Let's talk about Brandon Staley. Somehow they walked away with this win. They go for it on fourth and one on their own, like, 19. Don't get it. Abysmal play call. Uh, after Justin Herbert basically put on, like, the performance of his lifetime. Fourth and one, we got one play. Let's not put it in Justin Herbert's hands. What a dumb fucking play call. Uh, regardless, they end up with the win because Kirk threw a pick at the end. But takeaways here, Josh Kelly stinks. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to anyone that I told to start Josh Kelly. Like, I'd let you shoot me if you were in the room. Josh Kelly stinks. They need Eckler back. Bad. I hope they fucking give Eckler a contract. Uh, Herbert had the game, bro. You want to talk about Herbert having a game, though? Keenan Allen had the fucking game. Holy shit. Keenan, 18 catches on 20 targets, 215 yards. Somehow didn't get into the end zone, uh, but also threw a 50-yard touchdown to Mike Will made it. So Keenan, like, despite... Uh, these dudes getting old, bro. You got Keenan. You got who else? You got Mike Evans. You got you got all these older wide receivers. Devontae Adams just saying, we're not done yet. We got to stop. I, I think what we got to stop doing as a, as a as a as a community, especially as it relates to receivers, is stop being so dynasty focused when we draft redraft teams. You know, and this is one of those examples. I think. Keenan just balling right now. I think uh, he was the wide receiver one, right? We didn't look at that. Let's go half PPR. Fantasy wide receivers. Okay, it's still Tyreek. That's fucking incredible. 
Tyreek, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Devonta Adams, Debo. Look at the receivers, bro. They're just so good. Like the receivers who receive just fucking like the top 10 guys, somehow Thielen and Tank Dell are in there. Love to see it. But like the names are just like so good. Whereas running backs are just all over the fucking place. Raheem Mostert, Devon A. Chain, Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams. How the fuck Jerome Ford? Like how they sneak in there? What are they doing? What are they up to? Well, it's so cute how they snuck in there. But the receivers are just good. Like good receivers just get open and demand targets. Keenan, one of them. And we've got the bad news. Mike Williams tears his ACL after a huge game. He's out for the year. So you've got to ask yourself now, on a team that can't run the ball, on a team that just threw the ball damn near 50 times. Again, though, like, I've been shitting on Herbert a lot this year. I'm not letting I'm not letting this go just because he played against the fucking Vikings, who are like the stone-cold worst. They're so bad. Mike Williams tears his ACL. Now, one of the big decisions we're going to have to make as a as a community here, as a big dogs community, is are we targeting Josh Palmer or are we targeting Quentin Johnston? And tomorrow's video, I will go in-depth on the waiver wire stuff. So I don't have my best answer for you right now, though we will dive into some numbers to try to get to a conclusion, hopefully, that helps a little bit. But tomorrow's video will be focused on waiver wire specifically. So if you're new here, make sure you subscribe. And then again, on bdge.co, we will have our waiver wire rankings as well as fab suggestions on all these guys come tomorrow. So go sign up to be a member. But what I'm trying to figure out is why do the Chargers love Josh Palmer, right? Because immediately you want to say, hmm, of course, Quentin Johnson should be the play here. Of course, we should pick up Quentin Johnson, the young, exciting, explosive first round rookie pick. Problem is, I don't know if the Chargers feel like he's that guy right now. Because he's barely played, and he's done almost nothing up to this point. When we look at the snap counts, Keenan Allen, obviously, 95% guy. Mike Williams, pretty much an 90% guy. Josh Palmer, man, he is the clear three. And even when Mike Williams went out, it wasn't Quentin Johnson's job. Like, it wasn't him going in there getting those routes. They love Josh Palmer, man. They like using him outside. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't know if they have slot routes in here. Can't really be showing you guys this, but fuck it. But fuck it. Let's go to. I want to see how the Chargers wide receiver group has been lining up in terms of routes. Where has Keenan been playing mostly? Uh, you're not going to let me see. Just raw fucking. Oh, here we go. Okay. All right. So Keenan's been playing from the slot. Everyone's like he's going to play outside. Fuck that. He's been playing from the slot 65% of the time. Uh, Mike Williams, 71% outside guy. Josh Palmer, 71% outside guy. Quentin Johnson, 68% outside guy. So uh, Keenan um, obviously will stay inside the slot. Josh Palmer's already been such a big outside dude. Uh, so it, it, it will likely go to him and Quentin Johnson on the outside. But again, they're not they're not running um, they're not running Quentin Johnson out there much. Now I will say, right, like Josh Palmer's run 93 routes, so he's definitely behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Oh, sorry. You guys couldn't see that, huh? Fuck, my bad. Uh, he's definitely behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but not too so, not too significantly. So I think if we go back to fantasy life, we could see what types of personnel they're running out there week to week. And if they're using three wide receiver sets, then Quinn Johnson could play on the field a lot. 11 personnel. So they had 71 
percent of the time against Miami because they need to throw the ball a lot. Obviously, sixty-five percent of the time against Tennessee. That dropped down to fifty percent in week three against the Vikings. Uh, going to assume some of that had to do with Mike Williams being hurt, but we are seeing a downward trend a little bit. And if they're not comfortable, with Quentin Johnson, you know, maybe they do keep it out of uh, eleven personnel and do see an uptick in twelve personnel a little bit more. Uh, as you can see here, 12 personnel is two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a running back. So what I'm looking at is Josh Palmer seems to be the play right now. I do think way more often than not, rookie wide receivers, second half of the year where their breakouts come. And we see a lot of rookie wide receivers be dudes that uh, have huge impacts on fantasy seasons. So this could very well be one of those cases. Like Quentin Johnson, sure, he might be running fewer routes than Josh Palmer right now. By week nine, that might not be the case anymore, right? And Quentin Johnson could be the clear outside guy here. He can be putting up Mike Will type numbers. I think that might take a while. I also don't. I also don't feel comfortable saying that that's guaranteed either. Like the Chargers have shown time and time again. There, I mean, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have been hurt so much over the last few years, and we've seen a, a relatively large sample size of Josh Palmer being the guy that fills in. And they always go back to Palmer. It was always Joshua. So they feel like they've got something in Josh Palmer, obviously. It, it feels less like the KJ Osborne to Jordan Addison situation, where it's like so evidently clear that Addison should be playing over Osborne. It just hasn't happened yet on the flip side of the ball. I just don't know if, if we're there with, with Palmer and Johnson. So right now I'm going to have to think over it. I want to look at the schedules. I want to see how things shake down the stretch. They're both 100% addable like they both need to be added in waiver wires this week but I do think there's a chance that we get a little bit too cute with Johnson over Palmer because he is the young shiny toy despite what the Chargers have been telling us pretty much straight for two uh for two years but they also might have been telling us that hey we fucking don't like Josh Palmer that's why we drafted Quentin Johnson in round one so let me dig a little bit let me dig before I just start ripping off hot takes right now uh, on the Minnesota side of things, Cam Akers was, I think, technically active, but didn't play at all. He's obviously new to the team. Alexander Madison went 20 for 93, 5 for 32 through the air. So he technically had a big game, but he really had a fucking awful game. The dude, like, had some of the most embarrassing fucking drops ever. I think he fumbled the ball, too. He just looked so bad. I don't know what happened because I was never a huge fan of Madison. I never thought he was, like, a great running back, but he never looked this bad. He looks disheveled. I don't know if there's too much on his plate or now that the sample size is bigger, like we're seeing who he really is, but he's never looked this bad. He's He looks so fucking bad. Like, what is he doing? What are we doing? So I, I I don't really know what to tell you. Like it was it was a cool game by Madison. Didn't get in the end zone. Now with Akers being active, they're definitely going to want to at least see what they got with Akers. So there's a chance that uh, this is just a committee going forward and, you know, Akers takes the passing down work and Akers takes two-minute drills or Ty Chandler takes two-minute drills. So I can't imagine things are going to get any better for Madison going forward here. Jeff did his thing. Hawkinson did his thing. Addison, again, ended up having a relatively big day, but until they start letting him fucking eat, uh, he's kind of a problem. Pat's Jets, just a disgusting day all around. I had a few sit-star questions about Ramondre, and uh, and luckily I, I think I like nailed it on the head. I think I, I was like, you know, the weather's kind of shitty. I think Ramondre's going to have a lot of work, but this is a game where Zeke would probably get a lot of work too because, you know, they trust Zeke, trust him to be a pass blocker. Um, 
in this type of weather, like you want dudes like Zeke to, to, to bang the ball a little bit. So very clear split there. Um, obviously Ramondre is still the guy to own. I think this is more of like a one-off sample size than something that I would expect going forward. But Ramondre has definitely been like moving down the rankings overall. He's not, he's not making any explosive plays really, dude. He like, he won't catch the ball and run for 20 yards or it's happening way more infrequently than it did last year. So for right now, I'm kind of looking at Ramondre. I'm looking at Ramondre. Does he have, even have any, like, uh, I don't even know if he scored a touchdown yet this year. Yeah, he does. Yeah, okay, so he has one rushing touchdown. Uh, he scored it last week. Doesn't have a receiving touchdown, but he's had yeah, just a relatively disappointing games, man. Just uh, disappointing games. Has has played a couple tough defenses, so I'm not writing him off, but he definitely needs to be probably looked at as more of, like, a, a low-end RB2 going forward. I mean, there's nothing to take away here from the Jets side. They need they need something. They need I was about to say something about Desmond Ritter. I'm not gonna though. Um Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. Cook's unstartable. Brees Hall is like I don't know, an RB three, I guess, right now. Tough matchup again, but we don't we don't know when they're really gonna start letting him rip if that even comes in the first half of the year. So right now you're just kinda sitting tight on Brees. Garrett Wilson, this is exactly what me and J Mo kinda said in our trade target videos. Like Garrett Wilson you should just be looking at Garrett Wilson the same way we've looked at Terry McLaurin. You know, the last couple of years, we just we know the talent is so elite, but because of the quarterback play, will it, it, it's so rare that we're going to get consistency. And Terry's had big games. Like, there will be random games where he goes for five for 120 and two touchdowns, and I'm sure Garrett Wilson will do the same. But overall, uh, you know, over the course of the year, he's probably more of like the wide receiver 18 to 20 in that range just because of QB play. Move over to Buffalo versus Washington. Holy fuck, I got this. I couldn't have gotten this one more wrong. I took Washington plus six and a half. I was thinking like, all right, you know how if you're the home team, you're getting three points, neutral field, take three points away, play away, you're losing three points. So I'm thinking to myself like, all right, so basically Vegas, if this is a six and a half point game, Vegas is looking at these guys and they're saying, all right, Buffalo's playing at home. They'd be 12 and a half point favorites. I was like, that feels too large. That feels like too much. Turns out it wasn't even fucking close to enough. Sam Howell got sacked nine times, like I said. I mean, again, the dude lived under pressure. I think they should have some numbers up here for this, I want to say. Give me a secy. Uh, they don't let me break it down by week. Oh, custom. There we go. Yep, week three. All right, Sam Howell. 20 dropbacks. Oh, no, this was under pressure. Okay. So he was under drop. He was under pressure at the highest rate. Why the fuck is Tyrod Taylor? Oh, he took two snaps for the Giants. Um, Sam Howell was under pressure on his dropbacks at the highest rate in the NFL this week. Not surprising at all. Um, so that that was basically the story of the game, man. Like there, he just really had no chance of doing anything. Uh, like as you can see, his grades were fine when he was kept clean. But that's part of the fucking game, man. When you play against teams like. Uh, Buffalo and they play in a division against Dallas and Philadelphia like you will find pressure you're going to be pressured often so in games like that Sam Howell needs to be looked at a little bit differently there I don't really know what else you can do with him if he's like your QB2 and super flex but he's probably a matchup dependent guy for the time being Brian Robinson continues to be like pretty fucking good man obviously didn't get it done really anywhere but nothing in this Washington offense did Buffalo Cook keeps eating but keeps getting uh, siphoned from Latavius, Josh Allen, Damian Harris on the goal line. So that's just the story of what we're seeing here. He'll continue to put up nice yardage games and, and catch some passes, but I don't know, man. 
it's kind of disappointing. I have the only league I really have him in a redraft. It's a full PPR league. So he keeps putting up like 13, 14 points for me. So I can't complain. And when he does finally get into the end zone, it's going to be a nice little payday for him. But half PPR leagues, you're, you're probably a little bit disappointed with James Cook up to this point. Texans, Jags, man. Uh, I guess a lot to take away here. Let, let, let's, let's start again with the fact that Houston's been playing with four of their starting offensive linemen out. They don't have four of their starting offensive linemen. So I really just find it so difficult to hold that against Damian Pierce. He did get into the end zone, and he ran a bunch of routes and caught three passes. So ended up kind of like saving his day. Probably had, you know, 12, 13, 14 half PPR fantasy points. Obviously not a great showing. We just need that line to get healthy before we start ranking him back into that, like, low-end uh, low RB2 range again. But the passing game, man, CJ Stroud looks so good. He looks so good. Until, you know, he has a bad game and then everyone hates him again. But up until now, like, I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic if I'm a Houston fan. CJ Stroud could probably be using Superflex leagues as your QB2. I mean, statistically, he's fucking killing it, right? Like, it's easy to say that now in hindsight. Um, where's he Where's he ranked right now? He's the QB10 in fantasy. Pretty, pretty, pretty fucking good, man. 906 yards. He only has four touchdowns, but his 906 yards ranks fourth. Obviously... A lot of that has come in garbage time, but they finally put a game together and they beat the shit out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tank Dell, he's probably my favorite. Um, he is probably my favorite waiver wire receiver this week. I'll have to look at the Chargers situation a little bit more, but he just feels like he's actually he's he feels like legit. He feels like he's a real thing. He's one of those rookie receivers that wasn't really sure when he'd start to get like a full range of snaps. Man, wasn't really sure like when they'd start to let him rip, but. They talked about him all offseason. Stroud and him apparently had really, really good chemistry with the Noah Brown injury. And this is the fuck this is the dumbest fucking part about the NFL, bro. Like there are really coaches and play and people out there and personnel out there that feel like it's beneficial for this team to run Noah Brown out there over Tank Dell. Like it takes a Noah Brown injury in order for his routes to start spiking up. Like, and that is somehow considered a good personnel decision. It just makes no sense. But Tank, you could see, he's he's now an every-down player. 82%, 84% of the routes. His target percentage is going up. Target per route run. Target overall. Like, the dude is balling. He is such a fucking little bottle of lightning that just sparks, man. I, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like he's 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 got, like, some 2-2 Atwell to him. Um, and, and I kind of feel like he's here to stay. Like, I feel like he's a, a very much a staple of this passing offense right now. So... Down game for Nico Collins, but I'm not worried about it. It's going to happen. I'm not worried about it. Jacksonville, though, are we worried? I'm worried that like, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really worried about Trevor Lawrence or the offense overall. Because again, if you watch the game, there were like Calvin Ridley dropped multiple balls that he normally would never drop. That that kind of shit just ruins an offense. It ruins the drives. They had some penalties called back. It wasn't a flawless game by any means. So I'm not like hyping him up. But a few things, just like last week, a few inches were the difference between three passing touchdowns. There were a bunch of plays like that in today's game again that changed the whole land landscape and structure of this game. There was a lot of that going on. So we can keep writing it off, but the, the concern for me is that we have to continue to keep writing it off. Like eventually get your shit together. So... By the end of the year, I really I'm not worried about them, but I do think we probably need to knock them down a peg right now. At least Trevor Lawrence in the quarterback rankings, 
Still like Kirk. Calvin really will be fine going forward. Um, but, yeah, just another bad game for them. Colts, Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss. Like, I don't really know what to say with Zach Moss, bro. Zach Moss put me in a body bag. I just I showed him no respect. I just called him. I came on here and just called him fat. And he's just looking like guy. He's looking like the best fucking running back in all football right now. Zach Moss, you put Zach Moss in the Dolphins' offense, triple those numbers: ninety carries, three hundred sixty-six yards, still zero touchdowns for his fat ass. But actually, he got in through the air. Zach Moss, like legit, is an every week running back one until JT returns. On that note, too. It's a kind of interesting situation. I was trying to think through the process. I'm like, er, early on in the summer, or towards the later end of the summer, I, I I started to think that there's a really, really high likelihood that JT gets traded to Miami. Miami don't fucking need him. Miami doesn't need him at all. Miami has no use for giving up real draft capital or real good players for Jonathan Taylor right now. Because what they're getting out of their running backs is upper echelon. So there's just no reason for them to trade for him. I don't think there's any credence to people saying that Zach Moss is going to have like a role when, when Jonathan Taylor gets back. This is probably what Jonathan Taylor is going to do when he gets back. So I, I guess as the time passes by, like he is expected to come off a of pup after week four, from what I've heard. I guess I do expect him to be just be back in a Colts uniform. And this team is a lot better than we thought it would be, or at least op- they're operating, they're functional, right? I was nervous that they were going to be completely dysfunctional, um, especially after week one. But no, they... Uh, They've looked fine. Josh Downs is getting a shitload of targets, so he's kind of like a little bit of like a Jaden Reed uh, energy going on over there. He feels like he's kind of passed Alec Pierce on the pecking order, at least for targets. Uh, So Josh Downs is definitely another guy I'd keep my eye on for the waiver wire. On the flip side of things, we have uh, Gus Edwards, I believe, left with a concussion. He did his best Gus Edwards impression and got five points for you. Melvin Gordon came in, who was obviously elevated from the practice squad. Kenyon Drake was just signed, got one carry, uh, but did – Involved himself in the passing game a little bit, lost a fumble, so that was not great for the program. This offense, though, dude, it's it's like so it's gross to watch. It's so not fun to watch. Like Todd Munkin was supposed to be the savior. The only fucking thing he's saving is their legs being fresh because they throw the ball four yards down the field and then run the next play. They don't do anything. It's literally just like four yard dump off after four yard dump off. I don't know. It's 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 just like annoying to watch. Zay Flowers continues to eat. He's getting so much volume. What did I see? Uh, someone put his – I think Josh Norris put his uh, his route tree up. It was exactly what I figured it would be. Did he put it up? I thought he did. Unless Josh really just be fucking tweeting out 100 things at a time. Nah, it wasn't him, huh? Was it Hayden? I don't fucking know, dude. Where are you? Oh, it's Adam Leviton. Okay. Uh, like, this is his route tree right now. This is his route tree yesterday. Todd Munkin, can you can you be, like, a little bit creative? I get it. It was, like, you know, kind of bad weather, but that f- fucking football happens, dude. What is this route tree? PPR playing ass. Yeah, Zay's the goat. Uh, everybody else is basically unstartable. You, I mean, you keep starting Mark Andrews, obviously, because it'll it'll hopefully click eventually. But 
Panthers, Seahawks. Let's see. Uh, Andy Dalton throwing up a 360 piece is out of control. Adam Thielen had a huge fucking game. DJ Chark. This was kind of my biggest takeaway here. Thielen's been a very big part of the offense, obviously. DJ Chark hurt his hamstring. He was someone I invested so heavily in in best ball, and I was like, fuck, after the injury happened because I thought he was going to be out for a minute. But he's back, and he went right into, in my opinion, I think he's he's going to be the alpha in this offense. I think he's going to end up being the highest-scoring fantasy player in this offense by the end of the year, despite missing games. Four for 86, a touchdown on 11 targets. Thielen, I get it. He he, he definitely looked good yesterday, and he felt like – I mean, listen, Andy Dolan, Adam Thielen, like, come on. They probably went to Home Depot after the game together. That's the kind of chemistry I'm sure they had. Like, they're, they're, they're just old white dudes. You know what I mean? Like, they're just both fucking past their prime. They're comfortable with each other. Sure, Thielen looked good. I'm not, I, I can't take that away from him. But – I think DJ Chark becomes the guy here in this offense if they ever start making explosive plays. He was exactly what they needed. They were, like, missing any sort of pop in that offense. And DJ Chark came out and went, pop, 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 pop. Sorry, I had to wake y'all up. I've been getting monotone over here. I know 821 of y'all out here sleeping. We're not sleeping. We're waking up. We're popping. Also, we got 839 people in here and 92 thumbs up. Show some respect. Show some respect. Hit the thumbs up button. Adam Thielen liking motherfuckers. All right, Seattle. Um, let's see. Kenneth Walker, another fantastic game. Him and him and Charbonnet are a fun duo on the ground. Charbonnet's not usable or startable in fantasy, but it's a nice little backup to Kenneth Walker here. Uh, Walker looks like a high-end running back one right now. DK continues to fucking eat, man. I got DK, so I did a dynasty startup draft this summer. Um, like very recently, we actually did it right up until kickoff and I didn't have a wide receiver one until the fourth round. I don't really like doing that. We start through wide receivers. It's full PPR. I typically like to grab wide receivers and a lot of them, but I went, I think I went Bijan and I went with a QB. Who's my quarterback? Who are my court? My quarterbacks are. Kirk, Kyler, Deshaun. Okay, so, oh, God. Okay, so I took Deshaun Watson. That's not great. And then I took JT at the end of the third round. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I need a wide receiver. And DK's sitting there. Like, all the young, you know, hyped up, like, pretty-looking wide receivers are off the board. And for some reason, DK kind of just, like, fell off in the in the mind of, like, dynasty players. He was – it was, like, two years ago that he was looked at as borderline the wide receiver one overall in dynasty. He's still 25 years old, dude. He is young as shit. And he's balling this year. He has looked every much, every bit of like the alpha in this offense. And I'm here for it, bro. Lockett's going to be inconsistent. JSN sells and done shit. But there's a whole bunch of people with fucking fifth round best ball bags on him. Hate to see it. Bears, oh, things you hate to see. Here's another one I just got to admit defeat on. I was so high on fields this offseason. Why, though? Why, though? Why was I that high? Why is he terrible? Why is he terrible? Like, he was terrible last year, but he was still, like, the quarterback five in fantasy. It's not good. It's not good out there. I don't know what they're going to do in Chicago. Um, That being said, I mean, you can continue to start DJ Moore because he continues to get it done somehow. Other than that, you actually can't start a single player on this team. Not a single one. KC, they did what KC does and get 500,000 points in the first half. Everybody ate. Everybody Got some 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 grub in there. All three of their running backs scored touchdowns in the first half. So nothing real to take away here. I will say, though, Pacheco, he, he was a guy who was very high on going into the game because he's getting healthier and healthier, and he becomes 
more and more of the guy in this offense. Um, obviously, they blew the fucking team out, so everybody got to eat a little bit, but Pacheco feels like a guy who's going to continue to get better and better for fantasy. I'd also look up uh, Rashi Rice's number because he's getting targeted early and often, and he's a lot of the times, if it's not Kelsey, Rashi Rice is his first look, is Mahomes' first look. So he's a dude I, I, I think can continue to get better and better as the season progresses and start to become like more of a staple this offense where he forces one of these fucking bums like MVS or uh, Justin Ross or Kadarius Tony out of the lineup or something. Remember that Justin Ross hype in the summer? That was good times. It's funny. Cowboys Cardinals. I don't know what happened here. I tell Arizona, bro. Like, what are they doing? Why are they so good? Why are they so fucking good? Dude, just don't even tank. Just win the Super Bowl right now. Just run it. You guys are so good. You don't need another QB. You don't need any more players. Just fucking keep winning. Just be the GOATs. Cowboys. Let's see. Tony Pollard, 23 carries. Love to see it. I don't know. Uh, Just a boring average game for the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb will be fine. Michael Gallup had his first big game in what feels like actually three years. But they were playing from behind, so they had to pass the ball a lot. 40 attempts for Dak Prescott and 20, what, seven, 27 carries for the running backs here in Dallas. I mean, they were they were relatively efficient pretty much everywhere, but just couldn't really make the big plays to uh, to keep them in this game. And Arizona played really, really well. They're just playing with a lot of heart, man. No one's going to tell you this, but Michael Wilson, once again, second week in a row, receiving leader on the Cardinals. People don't – big media doesn't want you to know that. Big football, big dynasty doesn't want you to know that. I do, though. I'll tell you that. Steelers and Raiders. Uh, Steelers lucky to walk away from this game with a win. Because once again, they like, <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing? Mikey. Mikey Tom. Mikey Tomlin. When does this stop? When does the charade stop? Has there been a fall off quite like, I mean, I guess you can almost similar to Trent Richardson, the kids, the kids, if you kids are too young to remember Trent Richardson, it was bad because he went three overall phenomenal rookie year and then just became the worst running back ever it made no sense. Same thing with Najee Harris here. First round pick phenomenal rookie year, mostly boosted by volume in the passing game, but that's neither here nor here. And I tell, I told you not to draft him last year. Everyone hated me. Told you not driving this year. Everyone hated me. Now everyone hates Najee Harris. So glad we can all get on the same page here. Unfortunately, like with Jalen Warren looking more explosive and playing better, it it just never actually amounts to fantasy points because he's not getting goal line work and he's not getting enough volume for that efficiency to like really add up to anything more than like seven, uh, seven calorie-less fucking uh, fantasy points. So you can't start anyone in that backfield right now. Like, yeah, you look, you cannot start Najee Harris. Pickens looks relatively good uh, with Deontay Johnson out. Pat Firemuth is good to see him get to the end zone. Calvin Austin had the one 72-yard touchdown but didn't do anything else. He's a good deep threat. He's really, really fast, uh, can separate down the field. But I don't know how much consistency you're going to get out of a player like that, especially with Kenny Pickles throwing you the ball. So Pickens is like a wide receiver three until um, – Probably a high-end wide receiver three until Deontay returns. I don't think you can start anybody else in this offense, though. On the flip side, you're definitely starting Devontae Adams. Heard that guy's pretty good. And and Jacoby, this is something I said after the week one game. I think Jacoby's for real. Like, very, very, very much for real. I think he's very much here to stay. 
Um, I think Jimmy G might have left with a concussion or at least got into the protocol. So that's something to definitely keep an eye out for. But Myers, this this offense is so condensed. It is Devontae, it is Myers, and on the ground, it's Jacobs. Myers is going to continue to have these days of 685, 785. Um, he's going to be a really good PPR player, like a super underrated, really reliable PPR player because Jimmy G is throwing the ball a lot, and he is just the only other target that's getting any sort of looks in the passing game. So Jacoby's sitting there on your wire, and people are just, like, bored of him. He's a, he's a fucking priority ad. He's really good, dude. Did I mention Devonta Adams is really good too? All right, cool. Uh, let's let's take some underdog plays for tonight. Right now, they have a free square. If you are new to underdog, they have an absolutely free square for Matthew Stafford tonight, 0.5 yards. You won't see it on my picks because I am not new to underdog. Uh, but if you go to underdog and you sign up with our code BDGE, they're going to double whatever you put down. I think it's all the way up to $500 now. I think they increased the price of a brick went up. It's up there. Um, I want to say they double all the way up to $500 on your deposit if you use our code BDGE, and you'll get the absolute free square. So let's say, I, I'm going to be honest, bro. I take the higher on Hertz's rushing touchdown totals basically every time it's on there. The way I look at him is like, how many how many rushing touchdowns do he have last year? 13? So he's And he missed a game or two? He's borderline averaging a rushing touchdown per game. If if they gave you this line like uh like like peak Derrick Henry years where he was averaging like 14, 15 rushing touchdowns a game and they just gave you a .5 rushing line, you would probably take that, right? Like way more often than not, he hits that line. So anytime they give me a Jalen Hurts .5 rushing touchdown total, I hit that. And they're also boosting some plays. Oh, they had a DeAndre Swift's little spicy chili play on here at one point, but they took it down for him to score a touchdown. So we've got Jalen Hurts. There's two games on for Monday Night Football. We got Philly at Tampa. And we also have, uh, what's the second game? Rams at Cincy. I love the Rams at Cincy over. I don't know what it is, but I take the fucking over out of the shit of it. I take the shit out of the over out of the shit of it. Oh, they're still we're still sleeping on Puka? I, I mean, that's that's pretty high, I guess, 74 and a half. But, like, I don't give a fuck. Dude's going to keep going for 110 yards every game. 150 yards every game. What kind of bullshit is that line? Kyron. 0.5 touchdowns. I kind of like that because he's the only back used in this game, and they use him so heavily at the goal line. I'm getting, I'm getting kind of spicy here, huh? I'm getting a little bit out of control. Stafford not throwing touchdown passes. Is he due? Maybe, maybe not. Mike Evans four and a half receptions, huh? They have Chris Godwin higher than Mike Evans. So it's six, six, six. Feels kind of low, eh? Ooh, Shaw White's rushing yardage. I want to take the under here. I'm not going to lie to you. I know most people will be like, oh, it's only 48 and a half. Yeah, but he's he's not a good runner of the football. He had a nice game against Chicago because they stink. Minnesota couldn't get it done. They keep getting him 17 carries to no avail. Hmm. I might just roll with these two right here. Sometimes if I don't, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like to force squares. I'm not a square forcer. I'm an enforcer, not a square forcer. That's a fucking bar. Jesus, Nick. I'm getting stronger as this live stream progresses. I've never seen anything like it. All right, we're going to roll with this. I actually feel like I should probably take Mike Evans over four and a half, right? Right? Huh? What's, what, what's, um, oh, my Puka Nakua line went up. What the fuck? 
went up as I was mid hitting that squizzy. Um, what's Philly's pasty been looking like? A little bit yard, a lot of yards of Mac Jones. Who they played last week? They played Minnesota. They actually let up a lot of yards of Kirk Cousins too. Yeah, you know what? We're gonna take the higher on Mike Mike Evans four and a half receptions. And we're gonna throw a fifty spot on it for three hundo. Who's riding with me? Who doing it? Share your picks in our Discord, please. If you ride with us, we have our Discord is linked in the description down below. If you're not in there already, it's free to join. Obviously, we're just hanging out. Let me know if you're pick if you're hitting this square with me. All right. Um, well, that'll be all for today. Some of the resources I used to look at fantasy points were FF Today, fftoday.com. You'll eventually get to the stats portion, and that will get you to fantasy points. Uh, fantasylife.com is also free. You can look at the utilization tool, which gives you snap counts and team breakups and that kind of shit. And then, of course, again, we uh, got our new site live today, which will have our weekly rankings, our waiver wire rankings. If you become a big dog member, we have testimonials from Eddie Lacy. I mean, look at that. This is straight from him. You think we you think we made this up? We didn't. No, that was him for sure. Become a member. Become a member today. We will be adding to this membership. This will be our flagship product for the rest of eternity. This will be the only thing we add to it. So you're getting it at the basement level bottom pricing, and we will continue to scale it up and make it better and focus on dynasty tools for you and focus on everything in between. All right, so bdge.co. Go sign up to be a member. Get our rankings. Get our waiver wire rankings. I love you. I'm out. Thank you for hanging out with me on this Monday. Every Monday we do it, so make sure you got notifications turned on. Mwah.